0: I'm Megan and I'm Jen and you're listening to the travel mug podcast every episode we talk about travel
1: destinations interesting trivia and even some travel fails
0: let's dive into today's episode don't forget to travel mug Hey Mila Falcha, or a hundred thousand welcomes. Welcome back to another episode of the Travel Mug podcast. And today we're going to be chatting about Cape Breton, an island that makes up the northernmost part of Nova Scotia. Uh, It's a pretty big island with lots to do. We're going to break this up into two episodes because there's so much to do. Today we're going to focus on the Cabot Trail and the western half of the island. We sure
1: are. And first off, what is the Cabot Trail anyway? So it is almost a 300-kilometer loop around the northern part of Cape Breton, including the Cape Breton Highlands National Park. Uh, because it is a loop, you really can start anywhere. Uh, driver's choice, up to you. Um, we're going to start in Badec because it is easy to get to when you actually arrive in the island. So a little bit about Badec. It became a tourist destination with the 1874 publication of Bedeck and that sort of thing. That's the actual name of the book. Uh, a travel story written by Charles Dudley Warner. Tourism grew even more following the construction of the said Cabot Trail in 1932, with Bedeck being situated at the start and end of the loop. So while the visit, this is a really cool fact that I thought about Bedeck itself. So while the village population is just over 700 people, local hotels feature over 600 rooms. Seems like a lot of rooms. Mm -hmm. The village is actually right off the Trans-Canada Highway 105. Uh, It has so many places to stay, like we just mentioned, although I haven't stayed there and Jen hasn't stayed there. But it's definitely a spot you really want to visit in the summer and the fall as it is very tourist-driven and things might be closed during other times of year. So if you don't want to be disappointed, and I know it can be busier during high season, but it's definitely the time to go.
0: Yeah, I should say, I just visited most of these places that we're about to talk about today on Thanksgiving, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, a Canadian Thanksgiving that we just had. Most things were closed or closing. Oh, wow. We really mean it when we say visit <laughs> in the summer and early fall um, before Canadian Thanksgiving because things do start to shut down. As uh, as we just mentioned, we kind of harkens back to our first couple episodes where we said call to make sure things are open because <laughs> uh, we almost didn't eat on our trip <laughs> oh, because wow. of That's that. Hilarious. Yes. Yes. We only slightly took our road trip, our own road trip advice, and I definitely jam-packed two days around, well, <laughs> two and a half days around the Cabot Trail, but we got a lot done and it was still fun. So, the awesome. We really enjoyed walking down uh, the main road. It's called Shabucto uh, Shabuckto Street. And there's lots of cute shops and uh, little cafes. We stopped in at the Bean There Cafe. How cute. Nice. I know. I thought it was so cute. <laughs> and uh, and we got a drink to go and we kind of wandered the, uh, the main street there. It was a drizzly rainy day, so we didn't do too much, but I would like to go back and explore again. Uh, One of the main attractions is the Alexander Graham Bell National Historic Site. So it is a museum in the deck. You may know Alexander Graham Bell as the inventor of the telephone. Um, but he actually invented a lot of other things, including the first known metal detector, which they tried to use to find a bullet in U.S. President James A. Garfield in 1881. A bullet one. in him? Yes, he was shot. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. He, he subsequently died uh, mm-hmm. from that. But uh, they did so- sort of find the bullet, but the metal springs in the bed caused a lot of issues, being that it was a metal detector. Dark twist. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) He was also involved with the first aircraft flight in a Commonwealth country right there in Badek. So he had a summer home in Badek, but he actually died in Badek as well. As far as food goes, we did not eat in Bedeck, but my parents recently did the Cabot Trail like three days before I did. Oh, wow. I know. It was weird <laughs> timing, but uh, they loved the freight house. In uh, It's right uh, kind of on the waterfront in Bedeck for lunch. So I- I can't personally recommend it, but I have good sources. So. Love it. <laughs> and if you're into craft beer, uh, Big Spruce Brewing is about 15 minutes outside of deck. They offer organic craft beer, and they have a food truck there on the weekends, I think just in the summer, probably not in the winter. <laughs>
1: Probably not. Yeah, we have definite plans to go there. I know Peter has spent some time in Bedak. I just haven't. That's why as we go through the podcast, I've not really spent a ton of time on this side of Cape Breton. So Jen's going to hold down a lot of the fort today. Um, But next we're going to move on to Inganish. So it is located uh, about 60 kilometers from Badek, like a lot of places, honestly, in Nova Scotia. Uh, The economy there in Inganish is tied to seasonal tourism as well as the fishing industry. So what do you want to tell us about Inganish?
0: Yeah. So when you get to Inganish, um, you're technically entering the Cape Breton Highlands national park. You do have to pay to enter the park. So it's $7.90 per adult for a day pass and youth under 17 is free. Um, when we got our day pass, it was in the morning. I can't remember what time, maybe like 10 and our day pass day pass was actually good until 4 p.m. the next day. So oh, it, was, nice. wh- it was way more than 24 hours, which was really nice for us um, because I thought we were going to have to pay for another day pass the next day. It's very weird because you can just drive by the little building where you pay and no one has ever checked. Or They were like, take this to your dash. And we did. I didn't see anybody checking. I don't want to tell people not to pay but uh, yeah. i'm not sure it was <laughs> anyway i i was very confused but there is a um tourist information uh when you enter the park there and it's actually a really nice facility and people were, they were really friendly um gave us a map and they had really it was a new building they had really nice washrooms so if you need I to pee, that. it's a good place to stop yeah, and you don't want you don't want to cheat the friendly
1: cape bretner so no, pay, pay no. For your just, past, just
0: pay for your pass i just you know. I just don't know who's checking it, but it's on the (laughs) honor system, I guess. Um, The first thing we did uh, was hike the Franny Trail. Franny Trail. I've heard.
1: I'm gonna call it Franny. I saw. I saw Will's for Travels YouTube video, and I'm gonna go with Franny.
0: Franny. Yeah. Oh, I'm bad at pronouncing things. Anywho, (laughs) here we are. This trail, I will say, was difficult, and we've hiked a bit. Um, it's about seven and a half kilometers. It is very uphill and seven and a
1: half kilometers in or round trip. Round
0: trip. Okay. Yeah. It took us about two hours, I think. Maybe just like maybe two hours and fifteen minutes. Mm -hmm. There were some places they had built-in stairs and some places you were climbing over tree roots and rocks and stuff. It was I have a video of it on, like Megan just said, on my YouTube channel, which I'll link in our uh, show notes. So you can kind of get an idea of of what it's like. But once you get to the top, I will say the (laughs) views are really beautiful. And you don't have to come back down the way you came in. Some people were, but there's a fire road that's like, kind of gravelly so it's a lot easier walking. You could probably go up that way as well, but it's not as scenic. <laughs> right, right, right. Easier but not as scenic. Now, it's still uphill, but you're just not climbing over tree tree right. roots and rocks and stuff. But uh I think it's worth doing if you're able to do that sort of climbing basically. Yeah, definitely. Um our next stop is the Celtic Lodge, which um I haven't been to but my parents just stayed there days before <laughs> I did, so I should have brought my parents on this podcast, apparently. <laughs> I could have been special guests. I know. So it's a very popular place to stay. Um, it opened in the 1940s, and adjacent to the hotel is the Cape Breton Highland Links Golf Course, which was designed by Stanley Thompson. Which my dad tells me is important for golf courses. For All Disney. right. Um, and he called it the Mountains and Ocean course. It's an award winning course currently sitting at number nine in Canada, according to Score Golf Canada.
1: I really want to stay here too. My uh, my best friend actually I went there for a couple of nights on her honeymoon. And where my in-laws live in Cape Breton, that's sort of why it's tough for us to like get out and see things because we don't go there often, so we spend our time with them. But this is definitely on my list of places I'm dying to stay. And I know Peter wants to as well. So I'm really happy we talked about this because it's on my list.
0: Yes. Yeah, so another cafe. Love it. Moving on. Of course. I saw this um, on... Someone's blog post, I can't remember where I saw this cafe anyway. It's called Salty Roses and the Periwinkle Cafe. That would have been like, I want to
1: eat there. Oh sure.
0: my god, it was so cute! So we stopped in. It's actually uh, so Salty Roses is like a gift shop. So you walk in, and there's all kinds of really nice, uh, locally made crafts, and then the Periwinkle Cafe, um, is. It's in the same building. So we ordered our food. I got a really good veggie sandwich and squash and sage soup, which was Mm. delicious. And I can't remember what Ryan had. I think he had like a turkey sandwich. Um, It was all very like homemade and delicious. And they had coffee, like espresso drinks as well. They served North Mountain coffee, which I really enjoy. So yes, highly, highly recommend going to Salty Roses and the Periwinkle Cafe. Fun yeah our next stop in Inganish was the Black brook beach um it was a really nice beach when we went it was kind of a windy gray day uh, so we just kind of took a look and then left but it does have a waterfall at one end I'm sure it's lovely I'm sure it's lovely in the summer in like mid-october you know not much. Not, not as much <laughs> so the another activity you can enjoy in Inganish in the winter time is downhill skiing at Cape Smokey uh, if you want to do that sort of thing. Uh, I personally don't, but some mm. of you out there might. Um, and there's also Cape Smoky Provincial Park as well.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I guess there are definitely things to do in Cape Breton in the winter, but you have to be into outdoor activities to, to do them. So if you are a skier, it's just something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Let's move forward to Neal's Harbors, where my sister in law lives. Shout out, Patty. <laughs> um, approximately 300 residents in the community artifacts in the area actually indicate that Neal's Harbor may have originally been settled by the French. And Neil's Harbor, as you can imagine, is actually named after a man named Neil, last name McLennan.
0: So I've actually not been to this area. Did you guys swing by or drive Yes, through? no, we did. We stopped. It's really, really cute. It's a cute little fishing community. The buildings are all really, like, quaint, and I don't know. It was just really sweet. There's a lighthouse, and in the summer, it serves ice cream. Uh, of course, that was closed when we went, but which is like most of the things I'm about to talk about on this whole episode. But anyway, um, and there's a really popular seafood chowder spot that's right up by the lighthouse. I think it just says chowder on the building. So I would, you can yes, find it. yes, um, but it's it's worth stopping into. Um, community. And you can actually, you kind of get off the Cabot Trail a little bit in Neals Harbor, and you can kind of take like a long way back to the trail that's a bit more scenic through White Point, it's called. Um, We did that. It was enjoyable. I'm sure if you just wanted to continue along to get to the next spot, you don't really miss that much. It's not a make or break trip. Right. Uh, So our next stop uh, is in between Neals Harbor and Pleasant Bay. You're kind of just in the uh, Highlands National Park without a community in this part. Um, So it's Bolak Ban Falls. And so it's a waterfall. It's a really cool waterfall. It's very high. I don't know how high it is, but uh, it's nice. Um, The nice part about it is you actually drive down and park very close to the waterfall. Um, So it's not like a super long hike to get to the waterfall. However it was super crowded because of this reason it was one of the only places we went on this trip where i was uncomfortable with how crowded it was there were several large large groups like of 20 people like there in 2020 groups I, of 20 I, people yes i know they're totally <laughs> breaking the rules uh, it's a 10 person gathering limit people yeah. It was very stressful. We like took a picture <laughs> and left. Yeah. I and, saw in your
1: video, there's a, again, to reference your your YouTube <laughs> channel, but I saw in the video, I was like, Oh, that's a lot of people.
0: It was very stressful. Um, yeah. parking was very stressful. <laughs> I don't know what it's like normally, <laughs> but yeah, it, no, no, thank you. It was beautiful, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so our next, community is Pleasant Bay. So the first stop that we made in Pleasant Bay was called the Lone Shielding. I think I'm pronouncing that right. That's Maybe. what I would go with. Okay. It's a replica of a Scottish hut. So this hut um, here in Pleasant Bay was built in the 1940s. The land was donated by a man who's from Pleasant Bay and he wanted a replica of the hut to be built and a walking trail. Uh, so we went to see the building. It's really, really cool. And then the walking trail is like less than a kilometer, but you're walking through a 350 year old sugar maple forest, which is really cool. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed that walk-in. It was not crowded there. So that was nice.
1: (laughs) And it sounds like somewhere you could like write a fairy tale about, about a maple sugar forest. Yes.
0: (laughs) Um, Whale watching tours are available Uh, here from Pleasant Bay I would personally recommend doing a whale watching tour from Briar Island that we talked about um, in another episode but we actually did see some whales we think they were whales uh, from the Skyline Trail so I mean they're out there but I I would do Briar Island if I was going to choose one or the other
1: but if you're in the area go for it
0: yes we've also heard good things about the Rusty Anchor uh, restaurant it was closed when we drove by so Maybe <laughs> let us know if it's good or not if you've been there. <laughs> you didn't go in. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. So my experience, I actually do have experienced Pleasant Bay, uh not itself, but we did drive through. But nearby, um, is the entryway to the hike for Pollitt's Cove. I've actually, because of the pandemic, I've seen a lot about Pollitt's Cove on Instagram this summer. Just because people are sort of exploring more of things. Probably wouldn't or maybe they were their usual visitors, but it is a nine-kilometer, and I'm not talking round trip. I'm talking one way. Okay. Um, three to five-hour rigorous hike. Um, we did this back. I'm gonna say 2006 or 2007. Um, so the hike is rigorous, really depending on the conditions. When we went, it was had been really rainy, therefore it wasn't as pleasant. Um, it goes right along the coast, and Palos is actually only accessible from by foot or boat. And the Cove, once you get there after your rigorous hike, it features a thousand meter sandy beach at the base of a really spectacular valley. Um, it's formed by the confluence of Pollitt's Cove Brook and another smaller stream. It's privately owned land. Uh, you can still go and camp there, but it is a very popular spot. It isn't for the faint of heart, in my opinion, due to the length and difficulty of the hike, plus something I didn't really consider, although I knew you're carrying everything you need for nine kilometers. Yeah.
0: It takes you longer when you're carrying, especially camping Mm. gear. Even, I mean, we've done nine kilometer hikes on this trip in two and a half hours, but when you're carrying everything you need, it takes, it feels like twice as long.
1: Yeah. It's, and at some points, you're like, I swear climbing mountains. It was a lot. It was a lot. Um, And the really cool thing that also made it worth it, regardless of the horrific rainstorm we had while we were there, horses roam the cove. They are owned. You wouldn't think so because you're so far in the wilderness, but they are owned horses. And like I said, during my experience, there was a giant and terrifying rainstorm on the, it started, I literally started raining on Saturday at like 11 a.m. and didn't stop until midway through that next night. (sighs) Yeah. And it had rained a lot before we went. So the trail in was wet and the trail out was wet. So it sort of made it treacherous all the way around. But uh, Peter had been there before in really dry weather and he said it was incredibly enjoyable and it really would be. Yeah. Um, But if you love hiking and camping and want to do something that's a little bit more adventurous, I think I, I really would highly recommend it. And it's definitely a dark sky zone, of course, as well, because you're like 10 kilometers-ish in. So after the rain stopped, it was like the middle of the night. We literally hadn't slept. And Peter got up and looked outside of the tent. I've never seen stars like that before in my whole life. And there was like a colony of people there that just didn't wear clothes the whole time. So, I mean, there was also that. Yeah. Um, so you never know what you'll find at Paulette's Cove. Go and enjoy yourself.
0: Hidden gems everywhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's what you want to call it.
0: <laughs> uh, so our next stop is the Skyline Trail, which I mentioned previously. It is a very popular hike. It is fairly easy. Easy because you actually drive up the mountain and then park, and then you're walking kind of around the top of the mountain, so you're not doing a lot of climbing. There's kind of two options you can do a seven and a half kilometer in and out, um, so like three and a quarter each way, um, or a nine and a half loop. We did the nine and a half loop, it was very enjoyable. The end is all like boardwalk and stairs, and it wasn't that crowded when we went. I'm sure it gets a lot more crowded than what we experienced in normal times or summer. Um, But there's also bathrooms up there. So this one is a lot more accessible to a lot of people. We saw a lot more older people and a lot more younger kids on this hike. Um, But the views were still really beautiful and I would still highly recommend it.
1: Yeah, me too. We've done this one and we were also there in October. So I'm pr- sure pretty much a very similar experience. And the views at the end are so iconic Breton Cabot yes. trail yeah. with the pictures you can take, even if you don't think you've seen a picture you have mm-hmm. from the end of the skyline trail. And this is where I saw my only real life moose. Um, it was laying down. I, it didn't have any horns, so it was still lovely, but it wasn't a giant like bull moose or anything. Right. Still really cool. And I'd love to see a moose, but I'm always scared they're going to be on the highway. So I'd just rather not see one, but this
0: was in a little like uh, woodsy area laying down. It was very, it was very good. Yeah. I think that reminds me that we should say with all of these hikes that we've talked about, um, Cape Breton does have a lot of wildlife, like moose, um, coyotes and bears. And so you do have to be careful. Yeah. Um, they do recommend like walking with a stick Just for a little bit of protection, you might want to also carry bear spray if that's an option for you people have been attacked and unfortunately passed away on the skyline trail. So better safe than sorry, be aware of your surroundings. Um, the parks, Canada gave us a really nice brochure on what to do because you actually do different things with different animals. So stop into the nice, uh, information center and (laughs) get your brochure and pay your money um, and, uh, and be safe on your hikes because it's a beautiful area. And you don't want to end up in a bad place,
1: and don't feed the animals. <laughs> and don't feed the animals. Yeah, <laughs> don't don't do <laughs> that. <laughs> What's up next?
0: camp or ShetieCon or however you'd like to pronounce it is the largest French-speaking area of Cape Breton with an approximate population of four thousand people. Um, it's also the other like entrance and exit to the Cape Breton Highlands National Park, so they have a visitor center uh center information center there as well with not as nice bathrooms as the Inganish side. Cause I think <laughs> that one is newer, but it does have bathrooms and a campground right there as well. That has a nice main street. There's a large church, which is really um, picturesque. We didn't go inside. Uh, we ate at the Dory man pub and grill, which I really enjoyed. I was, you know, usually you're like pub food is pub food. Right. Um, But I really enjoyed my meal and I would go back there again. Awesome. We also stopped at the O'Coin Bakery um, Mm -hmm. to get some treats. I got a really delicious donut. We picked up some cinnamon rolls and Ryan got an apple turnover. It does get busy. We went in the morning, which probably wasn't the best, but we were stopping there and then going to the skyline trail. So this is what we did. Um, cause when we drove by in the afternoon, there was no line. So. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, the next thing we did in Shetta camp was the gypsum mine trail. It's a pretty short hike. I think it's like two and a half K to an old abandoned gypsum mine. There's a lake at the end. It's really beautiful views. So I have seen these pictures a million times on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. So I did not realize that the classic view that everyone posts is like, you have to climb. Like there's a rope involved to get there. Okay, no, no. So you climb this really nice, uh, or you walk this really nice trail that's like a little bit uphill, but like fairly flat and easy. And then you get to the lake and then you're like, oh, the pictures everybody take are up there. And you're like, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Nobody talks about it, but that's the way it is. So you do have to kind of climb up there. And when you get to that spot where everybody takes the picture, it is very small. So, I mean, it was just my husband and I, but another group kind of like climbed up while we were up there and it was sketchy, (laughs) but we made it. We lived.
1: Okay, gotcha. How about doing it for the gram?
0: Yeah, well, there's going to be a video of this um, up on the YouTube channel by the time this uh, podcast episode comes out. I was editing cool. today of me, like, climbing down. So... <laughs> I look um, forward to it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, another thing to do in Shedda Camp is Le Portage Golf Club. So, I consulted my golf enthusiast dad for the information about all of the golf courses we're talking about today <laughs> because awesome. my dad is very much into golf. Um, so, he actually recently visited this golf course and he said it was excellent and it exceeded his very high, ex- his already very high expectations. He knew Ooh. it was going to be great and he said it was even better than he thought it was going to be. Um, he said it's a little bit of a hidden gem because it's not as popular as some of the other golf courses that we're going to talk about and that we already have talked about. So, if you're into golf, this might be a good option for you. And we love our hidden gems. I know, right? I mean, I don't love golf. No, but I good love dad.
1: the hidden gems. <laughs> yeah. All
0: right, let's move on to Marguerite Valley. Talk to us yes. about that. Well, I will tell you that we did not come to this area. No. On our trip. So this is kind of the part of the um, Cabot Trail where you're going to be leaving the coast and driving back across to Bedeck. Um, So it... Has a lot of views of trees.
1: Okie dokie.
0: Yes. Um, There's a few small communities along the way. I think there's a few like local shops, like antique kind of uh, stuff along the side of the road shops. Um, All I've heard good things about the Dancing Goat Cafe. Sounds fun. I'm very sad that we did not have time to make the stop in on this trip, but everything I've heard is good. And you know, we love a good cafe. So. Go there. Yes.
1: The Travel Mug Podcast. Huge fans of good cafes. True. <laughs> Indeed. So now we have finished the Cabot Trail. Um, you would end up back in Bedeck if you do drive the whole loop. Um, again, like you, know, you make your own rules. You do what you want to do. So you sort of make your own trek around and and zoom off where you want to. And there are, of course, though, some other places to go and things to do on the western side of Cape Breton Island. Um, So what's first up? Meat Cove.
0: Of course. I know. The name, like, Meat Cove, you're like, what is this place? (laughs) But it is the northernmost uh, community in Nova Scotia. It has some camping, campgrounds. Um, I've heard beautiful sunrises. We did not make it up to Meat Cove on this trip. timing. Like I said, we jammed, <laughs> packed our days. So I just, we couldn't spare they the extra time.
1: It's not what we do.
0: Apparently I'm really bad at taking our own advice, <laughs> but I've heard beautiful things. So yeah. check it out. Let us know if you think, let us know if you've been there. Yeah. I mean, and and everybody
1: wants to say they've been to Meet Cove. Let's yeah. see. <laughs>
0: yes. So what we did um, after a Camp is we kept driving down um, south, I guess. So the next community uh, that we hit was Inverness. Uh, lots of golf options here in Inverness. Cabot Cliffs Golf Course is actually rated number one in Canada oh. by Score Golf Canada, and Cabot Links, which also is Inverness, is rated number five. I actually didn't know that we had like Canada's best golf course, but here I we go. I know. Crazy. This is where we failed. We wanted to stop at Route 19 Brewing. We were on our way there and I had checked the website. It said they're open on Mondays. I didn't realize that the Monday of Thanksgiving weekend was their first Monday that they were not open. They were switching to their uh, winter hours where they were only going to be open Saturday and Sunday. Mm. So I've heard it's a really great place to stop in and get some food and get some beer. Uh, but sadly we ended up outside with our noses pressed against the
1: window. Really. We want to check check this place out too. (laughs) You never know someday.
0: Yes. I'm really, yeah, it was another road trip fail. I have to (laughs) say we did not go well, but anyway, (laughs) Oh goodness. Um, so sort of in between Inverness and our next um, community is Glenora Distilleries. So they make North America's first single malt whiskey. We can't call it scotch because it's not made in Scotland, but mm-hmm. it's uh, it's scotch, but don't tell them in Scotland they also do tours um it's a restaurant or it's a it's an inn and it has a restaurant and it looks really nice it was closed when we drove by <laughs> so oh muffin that's a sad story <laughs> it looks really nice from the outside <laughs> oh
1: goodness great these are some disappointments in dark day oh
0: listen it was uh something <laughs> um so the next community is uh, mabu Mabu. I have a hard time with this one. Uh, Kate Brettners are going to yell at me for pronouncing it wrong, probably. But we have to give a special shout out to the Mabu Fresh Mart. They were open (laughs) at 5 p.m. on a holiday Monday. And if they were not open, we would have been uh, really hungry. I think we had some crispers in the car and that was basically it. So. Good for them. If you need some groceries, could probably stop there. It was really nice. Uh, the community is also home to the Rankin family and they have a restaurant called the Red Shoe Pub. Uh, they did not open this year currently because of the pandemic. I've heard, uh, no offense to the Red Shoe Pub, I've heard the food is just okay, but the big draw is that the Rankin family owns it. So if that's important to you, check it out. If it's not, maybe don't. I'm not sure. Or maybe there's
1: no other option, so you should just eat it anyway. Well,
0: you know what? There's probably not that many options unless you're <laughs> heading over to the fresh mart. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe give it a go. <laughs> also, the uh, Mabu Farmers Market is on Sundays. I've heard it's really great. Um, when we were driving through Cape Breton, we stopped I stopped in and bought a mug. Saw that beautiful. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. So I picked up a mug. It's from Fire and Stone Pottery. It's beautiful. It has a Cape Breton, like the island of Cape Breton, made out of pottery on the front of it. So um he goes to the Mabu uh farmer's market on the weekends. So you should definitely check him out and grab a really nice mug from him. His name is Love
1: too. a Travel Mug. Uh yeah. Next up, we have Port Hood. Um, So for those hockey fans out there or people that are just proud that famous people are from where they're from, um, it is the birthplace
0: of hockey legend Al
1: McGuinness.
0: Yeah, it is exciting. Yeah. Um, They have a lot of really nice beaches in Port Hood. I think there's five or more. Um, And the waters are typically warmer than other Nova Scotian beaches. So they're a good place. So it's
1: not like blood-curdlingly freezing
0: no apparently (laughs) it's tolerable love that yes uh we did walk on one of course it was october so i did not go in the water but uh it was nice beach i have to say so yeah i've also heard that clove hitch bar and bistro is really great closed again (laughs) so i need to do this trip again it's what i need to do over Yeah, you've had a couple of disappointments
1: along the journey.
0: (laughs) So the whole reason we did this whole trip um, was because I booked Archer's Edge Luxury Camping Domes in Judic, which is our next stop. It was a really nice place to stay. If you've ever seen the pictures of these like luxury camping domes, it's like a big white dome. It's built on a platform. Uh, It has electricity. So it has um, our dome had its own kitchenette. It had a toaster, microwave, mini fridge, coffee maker, and kettle. And it had barbecue outside, so that's how we cooked our Mabu Freshmart groceries. Um, The domes also have full bathrooms. They have heat pumps, uh, so you can have air conditioning and heat, uh, and beautiful views. It was looking over a cliff. Uh, There's a nice fence so you don't fall over the cliff. Love that. Yeah. They had, uh, there's only five domes, so there's not like a lot of people around, Um, but it is adults only, so they don't take children. You can't take your pets. So it's very peaceful. And we had a really, really enjoyable stay. I will tell you, it's made for couples who are uh, comfortable with each other because there is no door on the bathroom. So. Yes.
1: I'm comfortable with my husband for a long time but I still love a bathroom door.
0: Yes. I but whatever, if you know. you know you're going to make do. You do. Uh, we had a lovely lovely time. I just want people to know going into it that this is what they're getting themselves into is no bathroom door. <laughs> I
1: love a good recommendation just to, you know, set expectations.
0: Yes. Um so what else is there to do in Judic? You might ask There is a Celtic Music Interpretive Center that showcases uh, Cape Breton music. And they host Cayley's, which is a traditional Scottish and Irish social visit with music, dancing, and usually drinking. Of course. Yes. And the Celtic Shores Coastal Trail is 92 kilometers of trails that span from the causeway in Port Hastings to Inverness. Um, They can be used for walking, running, biking, Quadding, four wheeling, whatever you want to call it. Um, Cross country skiing and snowmo- s- snowmobiling. snowmobiling. Yeah and, uh, of course you don't have to do the whole trail. You can do parts of it. I will note that our lovely GPS that we call Samantha, um, (laughs) tried to get us to drive down the trail a couple of times. So I don't know if it used to be a road and now it's not. Um, but anyway, be careful. Don't probably don't drive down the trails, no matter what Samantha tells you to do.
1: I'm just impressed you didn't have printed map quest maps.
0: <laughs> we are moving up in the world. <laughs> well, good for you. If
1: nothing else, you've got a GPS.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well,
1: thank you so much for that. I wish I could have contributed more. It is what it is. But thank you so much for your rundown. I think this will be really helpful, especially as people start to sort of plan for 2021 and what they want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we finish off, everybody knows not only do we love a hidden gem, we love a fun fact. Yes. So here are um, a few fun facts that we found. What's first up, Jen?
0: So when you're driving around Cape Breton, uh, you'll see signs in four languages, which is totally crazy. Uh, So English, of course, French, as we mentioned, there's a big uh, Cadian population. Uh, there's a lot of signs in Gaelic. And then there's a lot of signs in Mi'kmaq. Awesome.
1: I love yeah. that. Yes. Next up, uh, Travel and Leisure magazine or website or whatever it is. Um, oh, my God. I love uh, remembering about Travel and Leisure. I miss Travel and Leisure. Um, <laughs> it did vote Cape Breton Island, the top island in Canada, in 2020. Ooh, ooh, ooh all those golf courses you talked about. Probably <laughs> part of it. Um, that's a pretty big distinction though, because yeah. we have a lot of islands in this country. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It is indeed. And the last fun fact we found is a bit of a longer one, but I thought it was incredibly interesting. So in the 1890s, when a doctor ordered fresh air and rest for his ailing wife, Julia, rubber industrialist Henry Clay Corson of Ohio bought land on Cape Breton Island at Inganish. So the Corsons built an opulent summer home, of course. They're, you know, rubber enthusiasts and industrialists um, that they christened Celtic Lodge. Uh, Julia's health recovered and she actually ended up outliving her husband go Julia yeah I know in 1936 she sold the property to the Canadian government as it was creating the Cape Breton Highlands National Park which Jen has mentioned and the government turned it into Celtic Lodge the luxury resort and world-class golf course so that's your history lesson on
0: the Celtic Lodge (laughs) it looks beautiful we really need to stay there Yeah, I'm really excited to do that. I want to know where Julia lived. Where's Julia? (laughs) Uh, So that's all for part one of Cape Breton. And you can see why we split it up into two parts. Uh, There's a lot to chat about. So next episode, we're going to chat about Sydney and kind of the eastern side of Cape Breton, which is where my family is from. Both my parents grew up in Sydney
1: also where Peter's parents are from, well, where his mom is from as well. And we go there a lot. So maybe I'll have more to say. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks everyone, as always, for listening. We really appreciate your support. And we would also appreciate it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share the show with a friend. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye. Bye.